Hi, my name is Johannes Khadebe, and you are listening to the Bromley Bars. Welcome to the Bromley Buzz from the Newman Business Centre with myself, Darren Wheel, and Zainat Narani of Vida de la Mariposa Coaching. Yeah, and uh, the Newman Business Centre room we're in today, or flexible workspace, has a little bit of noise in an adjacent office behind it, so uh, it's people actually working. Yeah, and there is kind of like a humming sound, sounds more like a laundry going on, but it's not. Could well, be some shredding going on. Uh, the introduction you just heard, by the way, which was clear enough, was Johannes Rodebe, um introducing the show for the second time in a row, because we can't resist it. He's in um, Bromley soon with his Freedom Show on the 30th of March, Churchill Theatre, but uh, that one I think is sold out. But they have a lot of shows with Strictly people, including the Rocky Horror Show coming up with Ori Aduba. Lovely. Mm. Do you know what? I'm quite jealous because um, Shower Huggins has got tickets to go and see Johannes. She texted me, yes. Well she's done, her. She's makeup lady, isn't she? She is, yes. She's, she's actually got a workshop coming up in the um, library at the Startup Bromley. Oh, has she? Yes. Yeah. Learn how to do some makeup and what to do with old makeup. Mm. Right up my street. I love it. So, as you know, I used to do um, a lot of makeup for weddings and events and um, even hair styling, which I need to take up again because I do enjoy that. It's Anyway, <laughs> i just throw that in. Maybe we should go along and uh, report on it. Well, I did ask if, if she needed a model. <laughs> <laughs> right, well. Um, so what mega buzzes are we doing today? Uh, we don't have a mega buzz. I mean, you know, no. this was the mega buzz. Um, I'm afraid it's merely buzzes. Well, hang on a minute. We're uh, mega buzzes too. Uh, yeah, okay. We're, we're quite buzzy ourselves, it's true. <laughs> we, what we do have is rather a lot in the show. We've got mm. Gareth Bacon, MP, a talking to football club. Bob Stewart is fellow MP for Beckenham, who we spoke to on Zoom at the weekend. Um, we've got another interview from Orpington FC uh, and sponsor and all of these things. So quite a lot of it. In fact, I'm going to go straight into it's introducing one. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Go ahead. Right. So what do we have first? We have um, from Orpington Football Club, pitch side. An interview with Simon Morris, who I think is head of football there. Yeah, he was. Uh, and he's talking about the uh, special educational needs side of what they do. And then we'll go on seamlessly uh, to Surinder Manak, who's a new sponsor of the club, and new trustee Neil, who are mm. met on the same occasion. And uh, just before we go in, if you want to hear more background on Orpington Football Club, we interviewed one of the two people that really run the place, Julie, in episode 15. But yeah. now over to these interviews. Good morning. Good Simon. morning, Darren. Yeah, uh, you're, you're doing something which we particularly like here, uh, the SEN side, yep. special educational needs. Yeah, um, it's something that we started about uh, three, three or four years ago. We've Obviously, COVID took its, um, took its toll, but in between that period of time, We've managed to um, encourage the uh, special educational needs kids to enjoy a Saturday morning at Alberton Football Club at Goddington Park. We've started off with probably eight or nine young kids, children, and that's now progressed to, I would suggest, anywhere between 15 to 25 children. Um, we were doing it once a month. We now do it once a week. We have children ages group from six seven up to 14 15 
and we've been also quite fortunate enough to have the kids that have enjoyed their football and progressed so much um, that they've actually gone into mainstream here as well. So it's been a it's been a wonderful experience, not just for the children, for the coaches um, to realise that there's a lot more going on in football uh, as opposed to just mainstream football. We've been very fortunate. They it's it's an hour and 15 minutes on a Saturday morning where you feel so fortunate to be involved with children and parents that appreciate our time and we appreciate their time that they give us. Tell us about uh, some of the needs that uh, the children here have. Um, it's, so we'll have various needs from uh, autism of various degrees to disability with chaps, guys, girls that uh, may have problems um, running or um, getting from A to B. However, um, it's more of a case that we just, it's the time and enjoyment that these kids get. Mm. It's not about if we, if playing games and winning games, they just they just love being part of a team and a setup. The We never really know how, what the disability is going to be until we turn up. Mm. And then it's, and then it really is a case of well, let's just get on with it and see how we go. And the parents, as I said, to you earlier on the most important thing for us is when we finish a session seeing how happy and enjoyment how much enjoyment the kids have had it's not about the kids enjoying it we feel that they've given us a huge enjoyment I'm fortunate enough I work in the city and every Saturday morning when I'm down here when the parents say thank you for that it was brilliant I say no thank you that's you've given me so much enjoyment these kids are fantastic it's brilliant and we're hoping as this season progresses, that if we can get a little team going and we can start playing other same football clubs, that would be the, the, the wider, bigger picture. Send league. A send league would be amazing. Yeah. I get very touched by it. We're, it's, it's just, we're very fortunate. We've had good funding. We've had good, great support from the, uh, from the local community. Um, and we work very, very hard to make sure that the kids enjoy themselves. And it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity for everyone. You told me earlier about uh, a quiet kid. So when we've had, we've had, obviously the children turn up and they don't know what to expect. And we, we, we work very hard with, with, with them to, to try to feel encompassed and welcome mm. within our football club. And the other week, um, we, had, we always finish off with a little five-a-side, six-a-side game. And one of the lads who hasn't spoken to any of the coaches but has always been with, involved um, picked the ball up and scored a worldie ball goes flying in the back of the net and to see his face just enlighten up and he turned and ran to his dad jumped to his dad's arms and said I scored, I scored and then he turns back and ran into my arms and said thank you coach I had to walk away because it was just so emotional. It was the most wonderful moment, and the moment you realise how fortunate we are to do what we do. And that moment is then I realise how important and how privileged I feel to be part of this football club and part of the Saint Football Club, especially. It, it's, it's second to none. We're, we're very fortunate. We are very fortunate. They're wonderful children who give us much, so, so much fun. Uh, the, the wind is getting up at Altingham Football Club and uh, lots of the teams have disappeared on us now. 
but I'm here with the newest sponsor and the newest trustee. So let's start with the newest sponsor. Hello, my name is Surinder Singh Manak. I'm the uh, founder and managing director of Manak Solicitors. We are based on a high street in Orpington and have been there since 2003. And uh, since then we've opened a couple of branches, one in Seven Oaks, one in Gravesend, but uh, Orpington remains a mothership, as I say. Excellent. Uh, why did you choose to uh, sponsor this club? Because it means a lot to them. Well, when I first set up the firm, one of the main ethos of the firm was to uh, not just uh, be a business, but be part of the community. And uh, wherever we go, we try to blend into the community and play a role in the community affairs and do whatever we can to pay back to the community um, for what we get from it. And uh, this was a f perfect opportunity and uh, I think um, for mutually beneficial purposes and all these, watching all these kids play, all these families and parents here. My own son plays for the team as another incentive and uh, it's, it's, it's a good thing to do for the community as a main purpose really. Well, your son's going to have an interesting time going around with Manak written on his uh, shirt. <laughs> well he can't get lost then at least we know where to find him. <laughs> Oh, thank you very much. Thank and you. now I'll speak to Neil, I believe. Yes, I'm Neil Collins. Uh, I'm obviously been given the opportunity to become a trustee uh, for, the, for the team. And uh, my history goes back that my son played for the football team. But regrettably, uh, he had to stop that because he broke his leg. Playing rugby. Playing rugby, oh, which is a bit rugby. sad. He should have stuck to football. But um, <clears throat> yes, um, my, my, uh, my history goes back some way because they've asked me to become a trustee one because uh, I've got some good connections with football, play semi-professional and one or the second one is that I've got a connection with this club and um, it's obviously a club that's dear to my heart so that's why I've decided to join as a trustee. Well, well done, I, I look forward to seeing you work very hard by Julian Lawrence. Yes of course, yes. <laughs> well Julian Lawrence I've known for quite a few years because of the football connection and the same with Simon and they're, they're great characters volunteering is significant for this club and uh, they're very persuasive to get people to come and do things on the volunteering stage and it's fantastic and I've seen the changes since I was last here if I'm being honest about two or three years ago and uh, I have connections with them because we meet every so often and they keep me updated and uh, it was really a good opportunity for me to come here and contribute and that's what I want to do I'm looking forward to it it's lovely when you can see the impact of what you're doing and you can just turn up every Saturday and see it. Yeah, and I think, Darren, yeah, you've been here before, but you've seen it again today. Uh, I've met your colleague Zena and she's gobsmacked by what's been going on here. And I think, yeah, the key thing is, and I think it's what Sarinda said, it's for the community. And I think the community is quite key. Yeah, Bromley's a big borough. Uh, there's quite a lot of people here, there's children and they look at the mental well-being for the children with the football club and uh, I think that was one of the key points when they joined it. You know, it's fantastic you know, to see young children enjoying themselves and coming and being part of something that's growing really well and that's a good thing. Right, well, thank you very much and I hope your trustee career goes lovely. Thank you Darren. Cheers. Do you know what? It was so good to actually be down there and to see all of this in action with all the children out there training, what Julie actually does on as her job in running the Orpington FC. Absolutely fantastic to see that. The atmosphere was great. Yeah, the scale of it is um, beyond what you'd expect for mm. a small town and you know what's lovely um, I walked around and I saw the changing rooms what they'd done they'd redecorated all of that um, with their lovely logo 
as well, put in those places. And do you know what? They had a beautiful um, quote up there, which I loved. And I'm going to, as we carry on, I'm going to mm-hmm. search for it on my phone, see if I can find it in the meantime. Okay. Well, while you're doing that, uh, in that case, uh, I will actually introduce the very next interview. So we go interview, 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 very quickly, get them out. Uh, out. Um, Gareth Bacon. Gareth Bacon, MP for Orpington. We are pitch side Orpington FC and this is all down to you actually first meeting we had mm. something good in the community yep. Orpington FC you cried well I mean it's, it's extraordinary I mean my I'm the honorary club president here and the way that came about my very first surgery after I got elected so it would have been January of, of 2020 I think pre-pandemic those heady days uh, Lawrence Colville who's, who's on the he's one of the senior organisers here uh, came into my surgery uh, sat down and said this will be very quick he said we'd like you I, I'm involved with Orpington Football Club and we would like you to become our honorary president because Joe Johnson was before me as a local MP um, he said will you do it and I, I said well what's involved and he said oh just come down from time to time he said you don't have to run anything it, it will be fine but we're, we're a community asset and uh, come down and have a look and I said yep yeah, absolutely fine so they organised for me to come down and I was, I didn't know what to expect really. I, I, I grew up playing rugby and rugby is a very community minded game. Uh, and I started playing rugby when I was six years old and lots of rugby clubs are, are like that. They have lots and lots of kids. Um, but football, although I played a little bit of football, I, I didn't, it wasn't my main game. Uh, football had always struck me as being a bit, a bit like Sunday league. So you turn up, you play the game, you go home. Um, and I came down here and, and I saw what you can see here today, which is hundreds of kids spread out all over the place. Uh, of all levels, uh, boys and girls, uh, being being coached to play football. Uh, spoke to some of the people that run the club, and they're all volunteers, and they give up astronomical amounts of time. It's a it's a gigantic community asset here. And uh, when you came to see me, and we discussed good things that, that you could uh, could go and look at in in in, uh, in Bromley, this was top of the list, really top of mind for me because they have 400 uh, players here, expanding out to I think 600, including including vets and things. The amount of good work they do here is just unbelievable, and it's all done by volunteers, and they are so passionate, these people, um, and I, I really wanted to showcase it because I think this is a very good example of the community at its best. I couldn't agree more. I, I was talking to someone earlier and described my first impression here of being hit over the head by a gentle hammer. <laughs> uh, it, it's like the antidote to everything bad coming yeah. here. You just feel the vibes of positivity. I think that's right. I, we live in a world at the moment where it's very, very easy to be cynical about just about everything. Uh, you turn on the television, you look at Twitter, uh, and, and a lot of it is cynicism, uh, and there's, there's some fairly dark stuff out there. And you forget that actually the world is made up of predominantly good people doing things, good things, for each other. And you come to places like this, uh, and you can see that. Um, nobody forces any of these people to come out here and teach kids how to play football and have a good time. And, you know the values of teamwork and supporting each other uh, they do it because there's a benefit to the kids um, and and they enjoy it and I think that is absolutely fantastic uh, it, it's, it's a big imposition on people's time and they they do it for the sake of other people they don't expect any reward um, and they've got very ambitious plans here at this club in terms of how they can make it better uh, at contributing to the community and they, they need to be supported and, uh, and elevated for that 
Yeah, one of the things that's striking, it's very multi-generational as well. Yep. They've got players that become coaches, coaches yep. that become uh, organisers. I just saw one of the coaches disappearing under a, a triangle of goalposts earlier on. Yeah. It's extremely hands-on. It is. Everyone mucks in here, and it's great. And you're, and you're right. They, they, they pick kids up from the age of six, boys and girls, and they, they, a lot of them will go right the way through to become veterans. Some of them will disappear off to university when they're 18. Some of them will come back after university. Um, they'll get some kids that uh, they will train up to be referees, because that's the other thing, is, is finding referees for this many... Uh, teams is not always a, a straightforward mm. thing um, and everyone forgets that you need referees uh, and you know there, there's so much that they do here that I I'm just in awe of really um, I think it's a really really good asset so tell me about a couple of other things which uh, have excited you since you've been MP if you're one term aren't you so yes I got elected in 2019 and uh, timed my arrival at Westminster um, with <laughs> the arrival of the pandemic which um, I hope is not connected um, it, it was a very strange introduction to Westminster having to deal with the pandemic because Westminster didn't function normally and neither did the country so I mean at the time where I was still not literally but almost finding my way around the building I and my staff suddenly had to find our way around dealing with an awful lot of very worried people as we went to the first lockdown the government were announcing blizzards of support mechanisms for businesses and individuals but finding your way through that is not an easy thing to do and, and so inevitably a lot of people were writing to us and we were working extraordinarily long hours unfortunately socially distanced of course because uh, we weren't allowed to be in Westminster so my staff were uh, in their homes I was too and we had to do everything online to try to sort of signpost people through and I, I think we managed to help uh, quite a lot of people it was it was a very long uh, and quite stressful period of time because I hadn't yet had the opportunity to learn how to be an MP really um, and I was having to do that job whilst trying to uh, help people that were in desperate need and that, that was quite grim. So um, I'm glad that uh, we seem to come through the other side of that uh, and you know we can enjoy days like this where everything is back to normal. I managed to, um, in terms of the club here, uh, there was a, a problem with some of the pitches over the back from, from where we're standing I can see the goalposts of one of the pitches I'm talking about. Because the land that we're on is owned by, Bexley, uh, by Bromley Council mm. uh, and just across the trees is Westcombe Park Rugby Club and Westcombe Park has been established for a very long time and they had a couple of pitches over the back which they weren't really using anymore that were they had the posts up but they weren't really marked out and it was clear they hadn't been used and Orpington Football Club saw that and thought well actually we could convert these into football pitches it would give us extra space and importantly one of those pitches is very very flat and they were renting uh, space for their first team to play somewhere other than here and so they thought well we could take that over we could do all the grounds maintenance on it and our first team could play there and we could use the other pitch for some of the junior teams and it was very difficult for them uh, it was it was quite tricky for them to negotiate with the rugby club but also with the council who's the landlord for both the rugby club and the football club so i managed to get all the key people together in one room in one meeting uh, and sorted it out so managed to uh, assuage the um, suspicion of the rugby club uh, and get the council to get moving on it uh, and the pitches are now in use. Um, the rugby club knows it's not out of joint because they, they realise that nobody's trying to do them harm and the football club has been advanced as a result of it and the council's happy because they'll make a, a saving on the grounds maintenance because the football club will do it for them. So I was quite pleased with that as well. That, that's, that's worked pretty well. Well this is one of the reasons why people should vote for their MPs, whoever they are, and councillors because you're great introducers. Uh, it's the same way that yep. um, uh, you introduced us also to Blackheath and Bromley Harriers, which we've done an episode with as well. Yep. And uh, similarly, from the football club's point of view here, 
and Blackheath and Bromley Harriers too, you've introduced us to them so they're getting more publicity out yeah. of it and if people don't hear about what you're doing mm. then it becomes so much less effective. Well, I, I, yes, I agree. I mean, the, the position that I have, um, it, it, I, I, I'm not, I can't do stuff, so, so I can't order them. Mm. Uh, I can't make the decision. But if I get in touch with the council and say, I, I really want to go and speak to such, they will probably do that, and I can facilitate that, and if need be, I can attend the meeting and try and steer the conversation in the right direction. Um, and I'm more than happy to do it. I mean, the other, the other example you gave uh, with the Norman Park Athletic Track, uh, again, it, it's a great community facility. It's run by uh, volunteers. Uh, Dina Asher-Smith trains there. She trained there from when she was a little girl. And what they're trying to do is for the benefit of the local community. And, and the, the plans they had to redevelop the area had to sort of run into a bit of a roadblock. Initially, it was with the Mayor of London and, and City Hall. Uh, but there were some issues uh, that the council needed to, to move on as well. And uh, with the help of uh, a couple of local councillors, we've actually managed to move that on. And they're now building their new facility. And it will be a community asset. Uh, and I have always been, sport's a great leveller, I'm a sports fanatic, I grew up playing sport, all kinds of sports. Um, it's a great leveller and it's a great community thing and getting people to benefit from these things is something I've always got time to do. Um, you know, because I can see and I know, I've, growing up playing, playing rugby, all the uh, voluntary coaches that, that came and, and helped me a lot, I know the value of what they're doing. And uh, if I can put a bit back in the role that I'm in now, then I'm more than happy to do that. Well, you spoke to the young leaders this morning mm. as well, and people of that age, uh, and they look pretty young to me, they're not used to MPs turning up in their meetings. Well, y yes, I mean, Ju Julie uh, Colville uh, asked me to do that. Julie's a, a tremendously passionate uh, volunteer, volunteer here. She's the wife of Lawrence. And uh, she said, you know, we've got kids here that age between 14 and 20, and they are basically our, our young coaches, so they take on coaching roles. And the club's charity foundation will pay them uh, £20 a session for them to come in and do that. Um, and they, they have to go through a whole load of uh, hoops before they're able to do it. They have to have their um, uh, criminal uh, uh, record checks, they have to do all the safeguarding courses um, and, and the coaching courses. But these kids, some of these kids are going to remember these young leaders because in years to come they will remember, because they will look up to them. So a six-year-old uh, child over there playing football, a 14-year-old is a grown-up to them. So they will remember the 14-year-old the kid that took them aside and taught them how to kick with their left foot or uh, persuaded them that actually they can get better at this if they do this or that. Uh, and just looked after them and, and gave them something fun to do at the weekend. Uh, and it's tremendous that they're doing this. Uh, you know, really, really good. And, you know, if, if me coming along and speaking to them for five minutes makes a difference, well, then of course I'm happy to do that. Well, thank you for joining us here today. It's my uh, pleasure. And what you're doing with the club, because you can see what it means to so many people, the users, the young people, the, the footballers, but the 120 plus volunteers, some of whom are, no, no I, I imagine this actually applies to all of them. They're incredibly passionate. They it are. comes across so much when mm. you speak to them. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's amazing. I mean, we're here today, and obviously your listeners can't see this, but it's a lovely almost early spring day the sun's shining it's, it's not particularly cold uh, and it's quite beautiful but they would be here if it was pouring with rain uh, you know and if it was windy and it was cold and there was frost on the ground they'd still be here uh, you know th these people are very very dedicated to what they do it's, it's a it's easy for you and I to stand here in the sunshine and uh, admire what's going on they will be here looking after these children in completely different conditions uh, so every weekend they're here giving up huge amounts of their time for the good of other people I think that's wholly admirable Right, you're still looking, is it? No, I've got it here. Aha, you found it. I've found it. Right, so what it had in the dressing room was 
Don't let a win get to your head or a loss to your heart. I saw that. I thought it was very good as well. Mm. It's a good reminder of, you know, why these young players are there. And I think not just for young people, but I think it's a great reminder for adults as well. When we're striving for things in our business and our life, you know, don't let the win get to our heads, but uh, don't let the loss get to our hearts. If we don't succeed, you know, think about how we can move forward. I think there's actually a similar theme in part of the poem If by Rudyard Kipling as well. Oh. Uh, I think it calls the, um, the winning part of it uh, success being an imposter. Well, they're both imposters who come mm-hmm. along. It's quite an interesting thing, really. Right, what's been giving you a buzz lately? I've just been at the weekend, which is why I'm sounding tired, um, down in Brentford. So not so buzzy. Yeah, I, I started a project to do an exhibition on the British blues music and it's appearing in Brentford at the Music Museum for a month uh, from the 12th of March. Uh, so Fabulous. something which is effectively born in Bromley, because it was my idea, uh, is heading down there uh, imminently and it's half unpacked. Lovely, sounds amazing. Mm. But I'll tell you the thing that was the buzz from that. Uh, I got the now late band leader, Chris Barber, who brought over Muddy Waters, Big Bill Brunsey, Sister Rosetta Tharp and helped kick off the blues mm-hmm. explosion in the 60s leading to the Rolling Stones. I got him to give me his, one of his uh, numerous trombones because he was a jazz band leader who, had, who played the trombone. And seeing it in the case down there and seeing people from the museum itself coming down and going, cool, that's really awesome, uh, uh-huh. gave me a bit of a thrill. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Yes, well, it's right up your street, though, isn't it? All the bluesy stuff and the music and the bands. Well, there is a bit of Bromley. That's where your heart well. is. There's, um, the Bromel Club uh, was at Bromley Court Hotel, and that had mm. a bunch of the bands in. I, I got given a copy of a flyer from it. And the Iron Curtain Club, now a block of flats, was the Flamingo Club of South East London. <laughs> mm. Anyway, your buzz. My buzz. Right, I've got a few buzzes but I'm going to be really quick with them I mean one of them that really has been buzzing me and it's my Sunday nights in is Dancing on Ice but I'm absolutely in love with the couple uh, Brendan Cole who dances the professional dancer from Strictly Come Dancing and then obviously the professional figure skater Vanessa Bauer I mean last week they performed this beautiful um, slow piece of music with rain falling, it was, it's to die for. And if you haven't seen it, you have got to see it. My heart just melted away. Absolutely stunning. And he's fantastic. Yes, I mean, he's got the artistic thing, but they, there's been other dancers on there, professional dancers, who haven't had the elegance mm. and class and skill that he has, but brilliant. And then this week, another one, all tense. So, yeah, look out for them if you haven't seen it. Dazzle, I know you haven't. ITV player, here I come. Yes. Um, the other buzz I had really quickly was um, on my Mindset Matters radio show that I do every Friday from mm-hmm. 10.30 at 12 noon. Last Friday I had Asia Cuthbert, who's the Shortlands counsellor part-time, but works as the head communications for One Housing. Uh, she was on my show live, and do check out that show, Show 61. It's already out there to listen again amazing absolutely amazing what we talked about we covered so much and i'm having her back in two times again one to talk about her because she was the um she was on the gb team for synchronized swimming in 2018 i think it was in budapest in hungary and then we're going to also be talking about it coming up in june which is the loneliness awareness 
um, because she is campaigning that at the moment in the whole of Bromley, the London Bromley. Yes, we've had her on a Bromley Buzz show, a standalone yep. episode before, where I introduced her as the loneliness champion. Let's have some more loneliness, it implies. Uh, she, is the, <laughs> she is the tackling loneliness she, champion. Yes, she is the complete Bromley. lead. Mm. So definitely worth a listen and to go back and listen to the Buzz interview with Asia Cuthbert as well. I'll tell you one of the things that is to do with loneliness, and I think it's because people like to park other people in boxes, Mm. and they don't necessarily like engaging someone as a human, finding out whether there's something where you can connect. Mm. Uh, And that brings me on to my buzz the other day. I went and saw the Adams Family uh, show at the Churchill Theatre, and some of the audience feedback from that was in the last show. But philosophically speaking... Isn't that with Kevin Clifton's sister? Yes, Joanne. Joanne, yes. Yeah, she was Morticia. How uh, was she? Pretty good, but not enough dance. The, the, she did a oh. tremendous tango at the end, though. That was worth going to the show for by itself. Wow. Um, but the thing with the Adams family and, and the Munsters back in the 50s, 60s, mm. was that the, you had these people who kind of were into death and goths before goths and all the rest of it, and they were just weirdos in American terms back then. <laughs> But <laughs> I think the, we're not allowed to use that term the, anymore. <laughs> the point of it is, though, that um, for all that they were kooky, which is one of the terms that was used, mm. uh, actually, most of their problems came from everybody else that had normal lives and that judged them and weren't nice and, and that kind of thing. In their way, they were actually rather cosy, lovely families. And, mm. it, uh, and it's turning things on their head, and I, I really like that. And it, I remember, was reminded of it when I was watching the show. Can I just ask you, with the mm. show, did they have the hand running around on the stage? The hand was present, but um, not um, doing what you just said, no. Oh, because I, I, I was visualising. Thing, the thing. The thing, that's yeah. it. The thing, uh, kind of got it scrolling around on the stage and remote control or something. Hmm. But yes, anyway. Well, I'm going to go off into another of our interviews at this point because uh, we interviewed Bob Stewart, uh, MP for Beckenham, mm-hmm. uh, as I say, at the weekend. And that was really interesting and, and went on for over an hour, which is the longest interview we've done with anyone, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and went into things including a bit of current affairs, not something we normally go into when it's politics, but he was a commander in Bosnia, he was in Northern Ireland during yeah, the Troubles, absolutely. so he has a lot of relevant background. But one, one thing I asked him was, uh, if you had a, an SNP, Scottish National Party member, that you bumped into in Westminster, and they said, um, Hootsman, I want to see this strange place called Bromley, says he with a Scottish accent, uh, and in particular Beckenham. What would you show him? What are you, what are you proud of? Uh, and he answered the question that got him into what he loved about the place where we are. And, and uh, so I'm going to play that now. Why do people want to live in Beckenham? Why do they want to live in Bromley? Firstly, it's a very nice place to live. I lived in Kingston beforehand. The roads are wider here, there's trees, there's a lot of parks, and it's within striking distance of London. Even in all the worst sort of strikes, there's almost always a route into London from, from Bromley. You can get into, get into uh, Victoria in 20 minutes from Bromley South. You can get, you know, to Blackfriars, you can get to the 
communication, everyone whinges about trains here. Now, well, that's not fair, not everyone, but a constant com complaint is trains going wrong. But my goodness, we're well served by trains uh, and communications by comparison. So we've got good communications. We've got great schools, great state schools. Okay, it's not just schools like um, Ravensbourne, Kelsey, um, and Langley's, uh, Hayes, those sort of schools, the, the secondary schools. But you look at Highfield and Clare House and these these other schools. They're you know the primary schools. They're excellent, um, excellent schools. So it's unsurprising that young people want to come and live here. Um, the parks are nice. So if I was to take people around and then I turn to the Scottish Nationalists, you see, there's one other thing, mate. Here, the weather's a damn sight better than your bloody Scotland. You know, it doesn't piddle with rain the whole time, just only half the time. Um, by the way, I'm half Scottish. So, you know, at the, but, um, so it, it is a surprisingly decent, it was surprising to me when I first came here in 2009. What surprised me most was how lovely it was. And I actually remember coming in all the snow and I came from Kingston where I was campaigning and I brought my children with me and uh, the two girls I had with me. Uh, I've got four, four, I've got six in total. It's, it's indecent, frankly. Um, but two marriages, but two of the girls with me. And we went, we came off the, the road from Croydon and turned towards um, Hayes. We went through that bit of Hayes Common and the snow was everywhere. It was all over the trees. And one of the girls turned to me and said, Daddy, it's Narnia. It's Narnia. And I thought, my God, it does look like Narnia. You know, expected to see a big lion or something there but you know but it was um it's an extremely nice place to live within a striking distance of london and within striking distance of decent countryside and the decent countryside is very close in if you go down to you know orpington's got more of it than than bromley and chiselhurst and beckham but you know it's very close um I, I always love going down to the, the hills. I, mean, I just feel it's wonderful. You're driving down towards Keston and you look at some of the, the views and you just think, gosh, we're so lucky to live here. We are privileged to live here. We're privileged to be able to have homes and heating and education and healthcare, you know, and and we are so lucky to live in this country. And that's the way I feel. I'm lucky to live here. And I'm extremely lucky to be the MP for Mechanism. Well, that will do for the interviews for the moment, Zee. I know, um, we're just interview galore. Um, have you got any more buzzes this week? Uh, yeah, I do, actually. Um, I was watching the telly the other day. As you I, do. I, I, put, <laughs> I put a picture of my TV screen onto our Instagram, which got the least likes we've had from anything. Uh, so, obviously, people don't yeah, I like didn't actually. TVs. Um, however, what it had on it was a picture of 
the results in the semi-final, I think it was, of the British Indoor Championships Athletics, mm. 400 metres. Uh, and Sam Reardon of Blackheath and Bromley Harriers, who we've interviewed mm-hmm. their president before, separate show, uh, was third in the final uh, of that event. And um, he goes to Langley Park School for boys sixth form. And they tweeted about it. And it was really good watching it, especially before I knew what mm. the result was. The semi-final, he did brilliantly because he was sort of hanging about a bit by comparison to other people. And he did the classic thing with runners where they just steam past people at the end when it looks like they're not going to be able to. Oh, fantastic. So, so that gave me a buzz. Brilliant. Do you know what? I, I got a real buzz because I was trying to sort out some of my... Um, bios and experiences and things I've done in the past for um, to update my CV and everything and um, I was looking for evidence and I thought I've got to find something that can prove that I did this program so because I when I was living in Spain I worked on TV and I worked um, and I did um, Un Pase Delante which is a Spanish version of Fame and on there Beatrice and Monica Cruz worked on there as in Monica Cruz the actress mm-hmm. Hollywood actress so her and her sister were part of this so I got to meet them briefly well Monica Cruz which was fantastic completely different then she wasn't com- highly famous back then but she was in the highlights and then her sister Beatrice and I found an old photograph of me outside filming uh, and I'm absolutely chuffed about that so I've got a piece of evidence then I tried to find the episodes but for some reason I can't seem to log on to watch the past episodes so I'm mm. still trying to find out because I'm sure I might be in there as one of the dancers any t- technical people get in touch with you <laughs> so that was a real buzz yeah and then of course my biggest buzz I think was my nephew's birthday he turned five mm. On the um, it's actually his birthday today, but we celebrate it at the weekend. Yes, we had volcano cakes erupting, dinosaurs, dragons, bouncy castle dragons. It was fantastic. Sorry, who was his birthday for again? Was it you or him? <laughs> <laughs> they had this amazing. Oh, you would have loved it. They had this amazing ball pit, mm-hmm. but in the ball pit on around the sides, they had these um, air pockets. So then you would the you would get the balls and you would put them on the air pockets, and then they would float up in the air. And it was like you were in outer space. Oh. It was brilliant. Nothing like a bit of weightlessness could use that myself. Mm. Anyway. I'm going to take a song uh, out of sequence to a little bit of news, because this is actually up your street as a mental health and wellbeing uh, coach. And this I found in a pet magazine, of all things, uh, before Valentine's Day. So that's gone, but I enjoyed it so much. And it says, women choose pets over partners. Absolutely. <laughs> Women, <laughs> let's some stats Women are more likely to ditch their partner than their pet, according to a survey of pet owners and their relationships for pet store jobbies. Asked about their relationship with their partner and their pet and which one they would ditch first, 53% of women said they would get rid of their partner compared to 47% who would ditch their pet. <laughs> well, that's a close uh, Men were more loyal to their partners, with 63% saying they would ditch their pet and 37% saying they would lose their partner. But that's only because uh, the women do... Oh, I should be really careful here, but isn't it the women do the cooking, the cleaning, and then they're going to think, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to do all of that. So I'd rather keep my wife or my girlfriend. Actually, you think about it. But I could be wrong. Once the man man might be thinking, well, if I get rid of my wife, I've got no one to look after the pet. 
and ah. to do with the feeding and the feeding and all the stuff that they delegate to them in a terrible sexist manner. <coughs> <coughs> Moving on, yes. um, life, life in Bromley or life in Orpington, should we go first? Life in the Orpington. The magazines, yes. yes. Okay. Um, so I was looking at the Life in Bromley magazine, which was launched, um, the first magazine of Bromley this month. And I just spotted something completely random in here. Do you know section on page 45. It was, uh, what your car says about you. Have you ever thought about what your car says about you? So I again, told, it's I, told you, I, so, I told you before this is a dangerous answer. I know. I'll let you read out your bit before I do my dangerous answer. Believe it or not, the car you drive reveals a lot about your personality. The brand, the model, the colour. You choose can highlight some of your key traits, including your attitude, lifestyle and perception. Huh. Well, money comes into play. This depends because if there's a car that wants you actually want that marks your personality, but you can't afford it, you can't have it. Then, therefore, that's not your personality. Anyway, debatable. Very good point. And while there are no doubts, some drivers get judged by the model or colour of their car. Unswitch couldn't help but wonder if there's any truth behind the stigma. So they teamed up with expert psychologist Lee Chambers to find out what car choice reveals about you. Now, I'm not going to read all of them, but for example, if you've got a Tesla, you are forward-thinking, innovative risk-taker. Now, if it was a black one, you are sophisticated, appreciates control, and stylish. My car's back. Excellent. And if you've got a Ford Fiesta, I'm going to go down to the bottom of mm -hmm. Well, it's not really the bottom, because for some people, they love their Ford Fiestas. Uh, let's go to Ford Fiesta. You are practical, reliable, non-judgmental. And if it's green, you're energetic, grounded and balanced. So what's your car? And what does it say about you? Go on, my, tell me what's your car, car. My car is black, as I mentioned. It's a Mazda. But oh, it's although not it's not a very large car, uh, the engine is actually high in the range, so it's actually small but powerful. Uh, and I quite like what that says, actually. Okay, so... A Mazda, is it close to, well it won't be close to a Beetle, a Mini Cooper, a Fiat, Audi, BMW, Range Rover or Ford Fiesta? Good gracious. <laughs> I wouldn't know where to begin to be honest with Well, you. anyway, it's just interesting, isn't mm. it, how, um, yeah, what it well, says here, about Here's you. the dangerous bit. Um, not in the Iowa Cox News, I think, years ago, it had a comedy sketch uh, where it had a man in a pink tubular car and uh, they, he was driving his pink tubular car and uh, a good-looking woman went past and the entire front of the car raised into the air and you can work out what on earth that symbolises. It was very funny and I'm not sure they'd be allowed to do that again right now. Oh dear, <laughs> you got me in a coughing fit. Right, um, before we go on to... Right, actually, oh, no, Orpington. No. Yeah, okay, Orpington magazine, uh, Life In. I thought... Uh, that I was supposed to be you. I haven't prepared one for that. I'll, I'll do, I'll do on, two Dazzle. extracts next week. You'll do two extracts next week. Fine. What I do have, um, actually, is some news. Uh, a couple of bits of news, including mm. one from another magazine. But not until we've done the affirmation. The yes. weekly empowering question or affirmation to make you think and improve your life that you do on the show every time. Yeah, so this one in particular... Um, is one that I think is important that we reflect on every day and in the moment. So it's about taking that moment every day to think about it 
and just stop, become mindful. And I had some lovely responses actually on social media around this. But the question today is, what is the most important thing for you this second? I answered that one on LinkedIn last night and used the word sleep. Oh, did you? I must Um, have been sleeping at that point. At this moment, it's enjoying the company of my co-presenter. Why, thank you. Likewise. Because that being in the moment is one of the hard things. It is, and it helps you to reflect on that. We often just kind of plug along and going and going and going. But why not have that question up and just have a glance at it and go, oh, what is the one thing that's really important to me right now? And become mindful of it. One of the important things for me is to get in a bit more interview. Uh, I think the last one from this show. Uh, Laura's Larder, Petswood, lovely little deli place. Uh, I w- went along to their second anniversary when they had uh, guests, um, suppliers with things on the street which were being sold and or sampled to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have nine minutes worth of interview with Laura, uh, one, of, one or two of the suppliers. And the first time I've had this on this show, a, a pod bomb. You know you get photo bombs where people whack themselves into photos where they shouldn't be. Yeah, or bath bombs. Yeah, well someone overheard <laughs> me doing the <laughs> bath bombs, doing the interviews and um, came in with some nice commentary. So it was a very positive oh, pod fantastic. bomb. fantastic. So I'll put that in as well. Laura's Lada's lovely though. It really is nice. Yeah, that's mm. mm. We can go there together and uh, come over all foodie. Right, anyway, over to Laura and fellow people there. Right, Petswood, Laura's Larder. Talked about it before, because I've got Isle of Wight butter here before, and now I've got the smoke version, hooray. Which you're um, very excited about. Anniversary time. Yes, yes, it is two years to the day that we opened our doors. Um, it's been eventful. Um, it was two years ago, there was just a, a, a little murmuring of a of a virus in uh, in China and then obviously a few weeks after that that all changed but um, I've loved it I've loved every minute of it I've loved um, working here and bringing some joy to the people of Petswood in different ways so when we were allowed to obviously in lockdown um, you know special events on Fridays delivering people cheese and biscuits to just this weekend for the anniversary having a sort of donut stall for kids after school outside the shop and today just celebrating everything that we do and sell here so um we've got some suppliers um outside the shop with some cheese and marmalade and gin and um yeah just i think i've always looked at the shop as somewhere to supplement your food shop but also somewhere that will bring the community together and i feel like we've strived really hard over the last two years to kind of do that so um i mean I'm exhausted, <laughs> but I've loved every minute of it. Yeah, and we're talking from the side of um, Petswood, which has got the square with the pub and all that in it. What's this road called again? This is Fairway, so yeah, yeah we're Queensway Fairway. Side Fairway yeah, that's mm. right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how to find you. That is and how to find us. Yes. Laura's Larder online. We are laurasladder.co.uk, or you can follow us on Instagram at Laura's Larder, or um, on Facebook as Laura's Larder General Store, or one word. So. And one of the nice things as well, you stock um, local and Kentish produce. As well. Yes. So we always try to do Kent um, first, um, but we also try to sell other um, UK counties. So I have a real affinity with Norfolk. I've spent a lot of time there in my 
my life. So we have a lot of nice Norfolk produce, including um, Simon's Table. We're here today with their marmalade. Um, but we also sell a lot of Kent cheese and Kent wine, Kent oils, Kent salad dressing. Our bread is baked not that far away, um, about 10 miles away. We, um, we try to do Kent first and then if not UK first and then, you know, after that. We've no, nowhere much further than Europe though, to be fair, so. Right, well, give us a, a little idea of the, the things you've got in there. So there's preserves. Yeah, so I would say our number one thing is um, we have a lovely cheese counter and we try to build everything around that. So if you're having um, cheese for dinner, you've got beautiful crackers, you've got all the chutneys and everything that go with it. Um, and then also, as you've mentioned, breakfast items, jams, um, and then we sell beautiful bread. So yeah, so things that go with that, the butter, the jam. Um, we also sell uh, things like homemade fish cakes and handmade pasta and um, gorgeous pestos. We do breakfast and lunch every day um, as well. And we're just about to launch on Just Eat as well for people who are stuck at their house and can't get out. We did three orders today, even though we haven't advertised it yet, so that's good. Um, yeah, just your, you know, your kind of little general store experience. Yeah, it's a very pretty store actually. Thank I'm saying it's to something that looks somewhat like a well, Bailey's, is that? Well, actually, Bromley Council just delivered them to every single shop. We turned up this morning and they were here, so it's part of the welcoming people back to the high street initiative, I'm told. Yes. Okay. yes. Nice bit of work and well time for your anniversary. But thank you, you say that, because I love my shop and it took me two years to um, design it, but it took 20 years of planning because my whole life I've always wanted to do this and every, every part of my life I've always made a little mental note of something and I've always said I'll... I'll do that when I open my deli, and then when I did it, I did. <laughs> yeah, I, I love speaking to people who pursue their dreams, yeah. and, and you've already said to me separately that you just love being here. Yes. Right, introduce me to this lady. Yes, so this is Anna, who works <laughs> Anna. for a company called Curd and Cure, and they are a, a Kent specialist food supplier, Yes. and they supply a lot of our Kent products, um, because sometimes when you're working with really small local producers, it's really hard to just buy like six or ten of something so they help us by buying bulk buying themselves and then we are able to buy mm. smaller quantities from lots and lots of different kind of suppliers in fact I worked with you to get a yogurt supplier on board didn't I very much yeah so, yeah. so I'm quite proactive in that in that as well so yeah yeah and I've got cheese to sample here oh in you minute. have in I need bread. to go and get some more well we know <laughs> the Kent Blue we've got the Kent Blue yeah, so the Kent Blue is a Kentish producer. It's a family business down in Staplehurst in Kent. Mm -hmm. um, lovely couple that make the cheese, and their son produces the King Hop, which will be ready in the next month or so, which is slightly milder. Um, we've got the Rockstar, which is a Cave Day vintage. Which Although is, that's from Wales. That's from Wales, <laughs> but it's a very good cheese. Yes. Um, and then we've got the Chaucer's Canterbury, which has gone really well today, which is from Canterbury, um, Canterbury Cheesemakers. And we actually wine match that with a lovely yes. Pinot Noir from Chartham, and we've actually sold out of the Pinot Noir. As a result, there might be one bottle left. Such <laughs> a good pair, the, the camembert with the wine went really, really well. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, so, people have been enjoying the anniversary. Do you, do you get out front of shop that much? Um, now and then, mainly like Christmas, I do events for my customers when I get out, which I really enjoy. I've, it's, it's really good fun to kind of talk about the products as well. Um, but Anna was here the day we opened, helping me yes. stack the shelves. I was so one of Laura's first suppliers. <laughs> yeah. One of the first. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad we've spoken to you. Uh, yes. No, it's been great working together. Um, so many more years to come. Fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs>
Right, in which case I'm going to go on and speak to the other people there who are serving the marmalades and things, I think, and everyone can get back. Thank you. Um, Simon, do you have a moment? Let's pair it together. This okay. is um, Darren. Right, I'll just put these down in a minute. Yeah, of the Bromley Buzz podcast, we yeah, talk about all so things in the, in the borough, all um, sorts of stuff. Right. Interview us. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, I was just, I mentioned you as one of our suppliers. Mm. Right. Yes, well, we've and had, shortbread and gin. So we've had a wonderful day here today. We've okay. had, um, sorry, who's the we? Uh, Simon's Table. That's mm-hmm. made up of me, Simon, and my wife, Nicola. Okay. Uh, we've come down from South Norfolk and uh, Laura's been stocking our stuff since she's uh, our products since she's opened yep. and a lot of her customers have come and sampled some of the products that she uh, Laura hasn't uh, had and also what she has sold and we've had a very good day today in spreading the word and uh, selling our wares. Mm. Worth the journey. Let me have a little look along the road here at what there is. So, let me see. Uh, Simon's Marmalade Gin Liqueur. Uh, I'm beginning to wonder if some of this stuff might be slightly lethal in certain ways. Uh, another one is darker. Um, a slightly uh, worried looking customer on my left who can carry on leaving. Um, ginger shortbread. And oh, lots of shortbreads actually. Marmalade shortbread. Five separate flavours of shortbread. And we have uh, a rich, dark, and tangy marmalade. Mm. Conventional marmalade cooking time is three to four hours. Mine's 12 to 14 hours. It's, it's how I do it is different. And uh, well, after I've added the sugar, I boil it longer at a lower temperature, and I caramelise some of the sugars, which is why it's so dark. It gives it more character. And what does it mean to you to have independent shops like this able to stock what you make? That is where we want to sell it. It's everything to us. We've just been uh, podcast bombed, which uh, is a new term as far as I'm concerned, by a customer who just wants to share something. Yes, I just wanted to let you know um, how amazing Laura was at keeping so many local people going with food during the first lockdown when no one could get food deliveries from any of the supermarkets. Um, and we've got some elderly neighbours and she kept them going and she kept us going and she did a storming job because we know that she didn't really make a huge amount of money on the food boxes she was delivering, but she was absolutely invaluable. Thank you, that's a that's okay. lovely story, <laughs> and, and what a really good community yeah. place is all about. Yeah, definitely, you. definitely. Thank you very much. Right, we're on the final countdown, we have three minutes to go. I'm going to do some fast news. Go for it. Right, from the Orpington First website, okay, uh, the, uh, I'm not doing this very fast, uh, the, the people that are supporting the high street in uh, Orpington. Right, news. London South East Colleges is calling on employers in the creative arts and sports and leisure industries to come and find out about the many benefits of employing young people with learning disabilities. Mm. Uh, the college is hosting a virtual event for each of these sectors in March in partnership with the Education and Training Foundation. The sessions will offer practical advice and guidance to businesses about why and how to recruit special educational needs learners, including ways to build effective partnerships with colleges and accessing funding opportunities. Take a breath. The Creative Arts Foundation section will take place on the 17th of March 2022 from 3 to 4.30pm. The Sports and Leisure focused version will take place on Thursday 24th of March from 10 to 11.30am. This was really interesting. Each event will feature several speakers and industry experts, including a successful actor, Daniel Laurie, mm-hmm. who appears in the BBC's Call the Midwife. He's Reggie, um, a young, young lad mm. um, who like has... That 
Down syndrome. It says, mm. as a person with learning disability himself, uh, he will share his experiences of working in the creative arts sector and the huge success he has had. I mean, he's really lovely. I, I, what, he's one of the finest points of watching that show. So anyone that goes along to that and simply sees what he does, mm. it's great. Businesses already employing uh, special educational needs learners will also be sharing their insight with speakers from the Half Moon and Unicorn Theatres and Charlton Athletic Community Trust. Brilliant. Uh, I mean, just speaking about that, and this is perfect because I spotted on social um, a tweet by the Young Entertainers Academy where they're celebrating young people, acknowledging young pe- uh, performers in performing arts. And that's all the young people. I think that's wonderful. It's, it's, it's coming up soon. Right. Well, I think it's time for our closing buzz. Uh, and all these people that uh, are the uh, special educational needs people and the people who are good enough to mm. employ them, to my mind, are uh, champions in their way. So we're going to finish on We Are The Champions. Um, but just before that, Darren Wheel of Intune PR and Zainat Narani of Vida de la Mariposa Coaching. Signing off for this week. Right. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-hmm.